All right, so keeping with our themes, this is the last debt eye. <laughs> I had I had uh, misgivings about sending it to you as Why's the that? title. I, it's so stupid. I love it. I know. I was like, I have some friends that love the whole dad joke thing. Yeah. And not my cup of tea. But <laughs> when I sent that one, I was like, oh, this this has... This is gold. Yes. So I feel like, you know, it's one of those jokes. I think there's going to be a lot of people who don't understand it. And then there's going to be some where it's like, oh, I know what they're doing. Yeah. Cause we're, we're running low. So next episode is our final star Wars title themed. <laughs> then what are we going to do? I don't know. We have a new, we have to figure out we a, have new, to figure a, a new, you know, a new, a uh, new series. Yeah. And yeah. I was looking at it. It's like, oh, maybe back to the future. They're just named part one, two, and three. It's they like, are. That's not fun. No. We do the, I know we talked about the Matrix. Talked about the Matrix. Harry Potter's a good one. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of Lord of the Rings. There's a thousand James Bond movies. There so. are. We could do a whole James Bond sequence. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So Goldfinger or. Yeah. Golden IRA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Hey everyone. And welcome to What's Up With Money. An ongoing conversation to help make sense of today's financial confusion. I'm Ryan, a writer and millennial who's asking the questions. I'm Ronald, philosopher and financial advisor who's giving the answers. From outdated 1980s financial advice to magic social media strategies, we aim to shine a light on what's really helpful, lessen financial anxiety, and better understand money. Thanks for joining our conversation as we ask, What's What's up up with money? money? In chatting about what we thought would be fun to talk about is this magical idea of debt and how... Magical is a fun way to describe it. There are these two essentially polar opposite yes. views that everyone has. With If you're on yeah. social media, you have both of them front and center. Sure. It's a avoid it at all cost yep. or love it like it's your mistress. Like it's, it's, it's one or the other. Yeah. You know? It's, and if you have it, you're an idiot. If you don't have it, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. If you have it, you're smart. If you don't have it, you're smart. And then it's like, what? Well, what do you do? What do you do? Exactly. Like, what is it? What, what are these guys talking about on, on these things? So. Yep. There's bad debt. There's good debt. Yeah. There's high interest debt, low interest debt, credit cards. Yeah. Mortgages. Set us straight, Ron. Set us straight. What? Give us, give us the deets. Spill the tea on debt. What do we need to know? Well, I think one of the hardest things is understanding. You have to understand what is a particular person talking about when they use the word debt. Because right. each of these people are talking about something very, very different. Because even the one person that might say, debt's the devil is also telling you not to pay off, you know, the one you can not worry about is your mortgage. Right. Well, under a certain definition, that would be considered debt. Yes. So on the other hand, the people that are talking about using debt aren't talking about credit cards that have a 29% interest rate. No. So it leaves everyone confused, I think, about like, what are they talking about? And understanding the consumer base of these Mm -hmm. different people as well. Mm -hmm. So in the one hand, and I'll go out and say, this person has done more to solve credit card debt and help people get out of debt than anyone else on the planet. You're not talking about. Nope. And uh, (laughs) don't say his name. That's the one, that's the one props I will always give. I think that, you know, he's done, he's done that well. Yeah. But then when these other people are talking about debt, they're talking about something very, very different right. than the getting out of debt that most of like the middle class yeah. or lower lower middle class or maybe even a little upper middle class have gotten themselves sure. into, which is usually in the in the credit card. That's world. that's that's I think almost always credit card related. Yeah. And it's, you know, debt snowballing. Yeah. Which is not an original idea. It's just it's a foundational financial principle mm-hmm. that everyone kind of uses. So 
and it's usually within the realm of high interest. Yes. Usually not assets. Usually in the form of like fun things. Yeah. (laughs) That's the case when you're, when you're buying a lot of consumable goods that don't produce anything for you. Right. Yeah. So that's when you're buying a lot of clothes and electronics and I don't know, jewelry, fun, just just fun stuff going on trips. Taco Bell, Taco Bell, a lot of Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, that's like the credit card or, I mean, th- then there's also those who are living off credit cards, right? Those yep. Yep. who are just like crossing their fingers and hoping this doesn't last long. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where it almost seems like these two sides of the debt camp are just like screaming at each other. But they're not talking about the same things, mm-hmm. even though they're all using the same term, debt. Right. And I think that's what gets people really confused. Well, let's talk about these two different types of debt yep. then. We'll, we'll start with the, the middle class credit card debt. So, so what is that type of debt? So that type of debt normally is using credit cards to pay for things that you can't afford on your own. Mm-hmm. Or... You could afford them, but you might have too many of them <laughs> each month, and then they sort of compound and build. And so then okay. you, you, you're not able to completely pay off your credit card balance, so you get some interest on that, mm-hmm. and then that builds, and that builds. And so then you have sort of like this thing that sort of builds on a high interest level and can build fast with high interest. Right. You want high interest on your investments. <laughs> you yeah. want that to build fast. You don't want your credit card debt to build fast. Right. Or for a long term. Right. And we'll get into this a little bit because sometimes people have had to use credit cards to fund their life mm-hmm. in a short period of time. And sometimes in a short period of time, the interest that you pay for that access to that money might be worth it in a long term perspective. Sure. But for most people, they're not they're not doing that. They're living, they're doing things, they're going out, they're buying things, they're that's where things like the don't buy lattes, don't do this. Right. Because your spending is exceeding your income yeah. in a way that is detrimental. Right, right. And then that spending that's exceeding is tied to high interest. So then that's the problem that essentially a good chunk of people have gotten themselves into Mm -hmm. either out of necessity or frivolousness or misunderstanding of how things work right and or not having training or skills there's so many reasons why that can happen Mm -hmm. and then it's hard to claw that back Mm -hmm. and so that's what one side is trying to do help people claw that back so that they can sort of get themselves at a spot where they can then operate differently and move forward. And so for some of those, it's you better not have a credit card. (laughs) Yeah. Like, because that is proof that like, that's a license to spend in a way that's not financially helpful. Does that, does that also include student loans? Cause I feel like when it comes to that clawing back, student loans are also another huge factor of like having all this debt and trying to like bring that down. Yeah, student loans, to me, sit right in between these two camps. Mm. I like this. We're making our way across here. So student loans, there's a lot of stuff right now about them because, you know, the Supreme Court is trying to decide what is this presidential term going to do about eliminating debt? Mm -hmm. Are they going to take some away? You know, is taking debt away socialism? Is that's is, true? But Biden's had a he's he's made a lot of talk about yeah. getting rid of student loans. Yeah, because I I would say that it's the number one thing that most people, probably in the middle class, just kind of have hanging around their neck that's holding them back in some significant ways. Yes. Yeah. So the the arguments around student loans is sort of an odd one. They sort of sit in that mid range of being not low interest. Because they're not like 1% or 2%, which is almost free. Mm-hmm. They're not like over 10, mm-hmm. in most cases, percent interest. So they're sort of in that like sweet spot of not being so 
bad. They're just annoying. They're very annoying, and yeah. they're just around you at all times. Right. And then when you understand how the education system worked, say, prior to 1980, that most of it was free-ish <laughs> or very low cost, and then seeing how some of the student loan environment rose from essentially between 1980 and the time, like when I started college in like 99, mm -hmm. it was a totally different world. And the whole student loan thing was brand new, essentially. Mm -hmm. And university cost is crazy expensive. Yeah. And then it's almost, and it's mandatory. <laughs> yeah. And so definitely it, feels mandatory. I would say it's it, nowadays. I think there's more of a thought process that it's not. You can go to a vocational school if they're because not everyone has to go. Depending yeah. on what you want to do, what your what you feel your life purpose is. And Garrett Gunderson talks about this in his book. Yeah. If your life purpose doesn't involve going to college, then great. You can go to a vocational school, learn yeah. that, and have that be your trade. The statistics still point to the fact that if you have a college degree, your earning is higher. Is it? Is it? Yeah. It's 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 correlation. Yeah. And it's very strong. You have the anomalies of the people that don't go that, you know, succeed. Mm -hmm. And we have a whole lot more ways to succeed. Mm -hmm. When I went to college, it was either I go to college and get a job or I'm stuck at McDonald's sure. my whole life. You're a bum. Yeah. yeah. And so you have all these factors there. And I think that student loans might be an anomaly in the fact that, you know, it's like we'll give an 18 year old a hundred grand to go to college, but we won't give them a hundred grand for a property. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. and I, and I think, I think the whole conspiracy in the game and all the stuff that happened essentially from 1980 to 2000 was really when this got mm -hmm. established. I think a lot of that is starting to unravel. Mm. And a lot of people are realizing that it wasn't a good thing. There's conspiracy books about it. There's a lot of factual things about it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are saying, hey, we didn't do the right thing here. We need to make amends. Right. And so, but student loans also, for me, fit in this weird realm of like, they're not bad because they're not over 10% interest. They're not great because they're not one. They're not below zero. five. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where like that middle range of of interest on them is is a pickle. <laughs> well, student loans also interesting because you know, unlike a like a car loan, you you as the car purchaser are choosing this car. Yeah. This is the car you will drive and therefore you will pay this much a month to pay off this car. When it comes to student loans, as an 18-year-old, you don't always know that your poli-sci degree will be used in your 20 years from now. 85% of people don't use their college degree professionally for income. So in one sense, going to college is a great investment if what you are paying for is your life purpose and is where, what you're going to make your money on, like mm -hmm. what, where you're going to earn a living. And that create it's it's a great investment because you will earn dividends off that. But if you're going to college just to go to college, you're picking a major because you're like, this seems cool. I guess I'll do this. Yep. Then having that loan, it, it's it's even more annoying. Well, and the problem that kind of really came out is people would end college with fifty to a hundred thousand of student loan debt. Which is crazy. And then get a job paying 40K. Yeah. And as we've talked about in some of the different things, like that that money goes away very, very fast mm -hmm. in just basic cost of living. And then you've got a $500 payment on top of that for your education. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so, and that that's part of like the debt situation that I think most people have to figure out when they're playing in the debt and understanding that range of... No debt to debt's awesome, low interest to high interest, and really understanding then, okay, when I'm in my working days and earning days, no yeah. matter how that is, does what? how does this impact my financial future? Because then you get to the other side of the spectrum and you go, oh, there are some 
ways that in order to build wealth in this country, you need you debt. Need, yeah, great. Okay, so now we're now we're on the polar opposite side. Now we're in like the rich dad, poor dad side of of loving debt, using debt, having millions of dollars in debt. Yeah, but 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 it's but a it's particular great. type of <laughs> debt. <laughs> like I can't stress that enough. All yeah. of these are very particular types of debt, and yeah. they are not all created equally. So on that side of things, you're getting into things like the idea of collateralized debt. So I think student loans are amazing if you have collateral. So essentially taking out a $100,000 loan for school isn't a bad thing if you've got $100,000 in an account in that you could wipe it out okay. in, in one fell swoop. What the problem is most people playing debt games or thinking about it, most of what the concerns are is when it's uncollateralized. Mm. When you're taking on the debt, but you've got no money or right. no, like most 18 year olds don't have money, but we give them money to go to school and then we charge them interest for the rest of their life as a, or, you know, or credit cards, right? Credit cards are uncollateralized. They'll look at you and go, Hey, you know, we're, you know, so-and-so visa Amex, Sure. You know, MasterCard, we'll give you $13,000 uncollateralized, but you have to pay for that uncollateralized aspect. And so what you'll find as you move on the spectrum, the more collateralized your debt can be, the more favorable the terms get to be. Sure. So with credit cards, they're willing to give you essentially a line of credit, which is what it really is. Right. But if you don't meet the obligations, there's a penalty. Because there's no collateral. Sure. Go to the other side, like rich dad. I don't know what he's got ninety million of debt. Yeah. And for like me, I'm like, oh, ninety million of debt, like shoot me. <laughs> like yeah. Like what in the world? But when you've got assets, collateral, these things that banks then go, Oh, we'll loan you money, or in the case of like some of our friends trying to go to space right now. <laughs> They don't necessarily have income, but they have billions of dollars worth of stocks. So banks are very happy to give them money because they have collateral. What's are there other you know you talk about using collateralized debt for student loans? Are there other examples that are more accessible of collateralized debt that aren't having millions of dollars of stocks? Yeah, so there's a bunch of different ways. So sometimes they'll look at and say, like, when you get a mortgage, they're willing to give you decent terms. Right now, interest rates are high, but a couple of years ago, it was like, they're willing to give you $800,000 at 2%. That's oh, wow. That's almost free. Yeah. <laughs> like, And it's why we saw such a weird housing thing between 2020 and 2021, because interest rates were just astronomically low. Yeah. So... Then they're looking at two things with collateral. They're looking at the bank owns the house. Mm -hmm. So if things go belly up. Like, they take the house. They take the house. Right. That's what happened in like 07, 08, 09. Mm -hmm. like, and a bunch of other stuff. But essentially the banks own the house. So if things go south, they can just capture that asset. Mm -hmm. And then that asset to them, they can then sell. So that's okay. That's the collateral. And then some of it is your income, which is why you have to provide banks with so many like statements of check stubs, last two years worth of this and that, and all the sure. income you've ever seen, your tax returns and your firstborn child. <laughs> so when you do that, then they're looking at it and going, okay, we, this person is collateralized up to a certain point in, in a risk assessment. We can give them money for this amount. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's essentially the way it works. There okay. are other ways that other things work on the same principles, but sort of outside some of the normal systems. Okay. So like if you have a million dollars in in money, you actually have more favorable opportunity to borrow money or to buy money essentially from these institutions because they know you've that's your got, collateral. Okay. You've got collateral. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Okay. But when you move from 
the credit card spectrum to the collateralized debt spectrum, that is a huge, huge gap, huge gap. Yeah. Very different financial games. And we've talked about right. that. So these collateralized debt guys, they are, they, they're accruing debt, but at low, low interest percentage. So like you said, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it feels free almost because it is so low. And why are they doing that? Like what, what is that debt for then? So that debt is to make more money. <laughs> it's a, it's a weird thing. You need money to make money. And so for them, it's like even homeowners right now, homeowners that have equity, like I have a friend that bought a house, you know, let's call it 900 grand. It just got appraised at 1.3 million. Wow. So essentially you just overnight, it's like, oh, I got 400 more grand of equity, which isn't real money until someone gives you money in exchange for that collateral. Right. It's like we talked about with like, like 401ks or IRAs, right? Like that money isn't actualized until you try to pull that out. Yeah. 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 So theoretically, like the home is worth $1.3 million. And so, which is awesome. I'm, I'm so glad. But when you go to try and access that money or use that, banks will then look at it and go, oh, <laughs> you have you have this thing. So we're willing to give you money in exchange for the rights to have that thing. Mm. Because if everything goes south, we know we're protected. Okay. And so these people that oftentimes have more and more and more can oftentimes get more and more and more to then, instead of having to sell like in this case, instead of a uh, buddy having to sell his house mm-hmm. to get money, a bank might be willing to loan him money so that he can though, then use that for another investment, right? So another then, property, right. or a, that's where you hear the term like OPM, other people's money, other people's money, right? Using other yep. people's money to invest in things to help you increase your own wealth. Yeah, and honestly, other people's money is. We should probably have an episode just on other people's money. Sure. Because in our country, other people's money is the only way people actually build wealth in significant Because it gives ways. them the capital yep. to to allow like their businesses to grow. Is businesses the, to grow, their asset yeah, acquisition. Like the, like the, the IPO, initial public offering. Like that's, kind of, that's yeah, it's, yeah. But it's like if you have a if you have an apartment complex and you want another one. Oh, you don't sell your current one to buy a bigger one. Sure. You borrow against it. That's essentially, you know, mm. the rich dad. So you, so, you collateralize your current apartment building mm-hmm. to build a new apartment building. Or buy one. Or buy a new apartment building. Yeah. So now you've got two, but you haven't had to use any of your money. You've just used what you've had to get more money. <laughs> okay. So it's a weird thing, but that is very, very difficult different than the credit card getting another credit card to get more stuff right well because in 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 this you are you're producing Mm -hmm. you know you are you are using your money to produce something yeah rather than consume i think that's i think that's maybe like one of the biggest differences in this gap well and then oftentimes the way these two sides talk about it is that the ability to collateralize is as easy as getting another credit card Mm. And it's like, no, like most people don't have an apartment complex. No. And so, you know, and then the other thing is like when, in the credit card situation is like the people with the apartment complex are like, well, it's easy to get money. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and we can keep doing this and keep building. And so they essentially are talking yeah. about similar things. Yeah. Two different realms. Well, th- this comes and from And then them, they get confused. Yeah. This comes from them not understanding where the other person's I'm, I heard this story the other day of this very, very wealthy family to the point where like every kid had their own driver. Okay. And this guy, my kids have a driver. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. And this guy was hanging out with like one of the daughters who had their own driver. And I think, I think the, the guy was, they were, they weren't using her driver. And she, he was like, okay, I'll drive, you know? And she's like, what do you mean you'll drive? Like, what about your driver? He's like, I don't have a driver. And she's like, what do you mean you don't have a driver? Everyone has a driver. And he's like, who drives your driver? 
And it like blew her mind because she never thought about that because in her privileged life, what she knows is that everyone has someone that drives them places. Yeah. You know, and it might not be them. And exactly, exactly. And so that's what I think about when I think about like these two sides of the, there's the abundant side, the using debt. That's the greatest thing ever versus the, Avoid it at all costs. Avoid it at all costs. It's like they're not, they don't see where each other, especially the avoid at the, the, the wealthy side looking down on the other side. It's like they don't realize, like, why don't you just do this? It's like, well, they can't afford to do that. One, know? it's a whole lot easier to put everything on credit cards when you've got a lot of money. It's like even like a black American Express card for the people that are right. super, super wealthy. No limit. They only do that because they know the person's good for it. Well, yeah, because they can so, pay it off yeah. right then and there. Yeah, you know? so they're they're happy to facilitate the transactions. Sure. So, but for the majority of people that you know, essentially, are living maybe more normal lives, some of those strategies get really interesting and can get people in trouble. Yeah. The same way, just throwing everything on credit cards and then hoping you can pay it off also can get you in trouble. Yeah. But they're not always and neither side is always wrong and neither side is always right, which is where it gets really messy for people to try and figure out. Well, that's where, you know, if you're someone who like scrolls through TikTok trying to figure out your own finances, mm-hmm. you're going to get a deluge of opposing viewpoints. Yeah. And it's going to be confusing. Yeah. And th- this is where, you know, TikTok and social media is great for a lot of things. You can learn a lot and I love that about it, but you can also get a lot of incorrect information or a lot of opposing information. And so this is where you have to kind of like put the phone down and pick up a book or like go to a reputable website and like read things. Yeah. You know, to kind of get your own thought process about it. Yeah, because none of these in 30 seconds can tell you <laughs> Yes, the entirety of what's going on. There's no so, way. Yeah. There's no... And, and a lot of those videos I found are designed to get views. Yep. They're, oh, yeah. they're, they're not necessarily designed to help you. Much like, much like those who sell financial plans or the financial advisors, they, they're not necessarily there to help you. They're there to make money. You oh, know? yeah. And that's the same with social media is that a lot of them are there designed to like sell ads, mm-hmm. get views and, and, and get more reputable as an quote unquote influencer. So you have to be very cautious and take everything you see on those sites yeah. with a grain of salt. This episode, we're talking about debt, but we yes. thought it'd be interesting to talk about because in the sacred cows, he lists a few. Each chapter is kind of about a particular sacred cow. Yes. We thought it would be good to talk about the one that's most difficult for us to put to death and turn into a hamburger. Yes. Uh, Would you like to go first? Man, I, I struggled. I mean, I told you I had succeeded in mastering all of these. Of course, naturally. The one that I... I think I had to switch was myth number two that you're in it for the long haul. Yes. That that was one of my top ones for sure. Like for me, that one was really tough because everything I had thought was always about minimize anything you're doing now for the sake of some magic future thing. It, and sometimes it was nameless, like, or just the void, or right. just what if, or we talked about emergency funds, like an emergency. And in many ways, I think probably too, growing up in a family that didn't do a whole lot because of probably some of these sacred cows about mm-hmm. money. It was like, well, we're just not going to have a whole lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of gurus say, like, just don't have fun yeah you know and then you know but i started realizing after doing certain things and then my wife is very much the opposite this is not a sacred cow for her whatsoever <laughs> so 
the idea that like you can do both. You can have a financial future and you can actually have a life. Yeah. Was something that really I don't know if it rocked my world or it was like really hard to like shift and get over. Sure. The idea of enjoying your money now while still preparing yourself for the future. Yeah, because they almost seem like they're presented to us as like it's an either or. An either or. Yeah. Well, if you do that, you can't do that. And mm-hmm. I I realized, wow, you really can try and figure out how to do both. Right. And I you know, oftentimes I think younger folks get a bad rap for doing things like the avocado toast, the lattes, the, <laughs> the experiences. Yeah. But the demographic stuff shows that younger folks, I say probably people that are under the age of 50, care more about experiences than yes. older folks. That's and very so true. those things are much more important. And I think I was probably one that I was like, I don't know where I fit in this. And then I married someone that loves experiences Maybe too many because mm-hmm. she's always got us going and moving and doing, yeah. uh, which is great. But that one was really tough, I think, for me to then feel comfortable spending money now, right? And then thinking about the long game differently sure. because of that. Yeah, you're buying something you're like you're buying a new Xbox, and you're like, for your kids, and you're like, man, the things I could use that money for. Just so you're not a parent, but parents don't buy Xboxes for their kids. It's for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you? You mentioned that one was atop your list. What was one that you found to be so? I think the one challenging. I think the one that really stands out to me that's one I've had to tackle is the avoid debt like the plague. Because I grew up with my mom constantly telling us not to get credit cards. Yeah, she was like, "Don't do." It don't get credit cards and that comes from because when so my dad moved out here to LA from Cincinnati and when he did he pretty much lived off credit cards to an extent and so when they were getting married my dad had a lot of credit card debt and so they had to like tackle that not to out my dad but but well your dad's the only <laughs> one that ever lived that way so 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 my mom was always just just instilled this fear of credit cards in me yeah to the point where i remember i i got a credit card and it took it took a lot for me to finally get one and i only have one and i i chose that one specifically because it has because vacation miles Okay. You know, talk about experiences. But that took a lot for me to get. And then I, when it came to like what to do with money, I just, I, anything that involved like getting rid of debt, that's, that's what I was all about. Yeah. And now, however, I'm looking at debt in a new, cause he talks about like the actual accounting definition of debt. Yeah which is different than the kind of thrown around word debt that we have today where like the accounting definition is like as long if your liabilities exceed your assets assets then you are technically in debt whereas if you have like a car payment but you're still your assets still exceed your liabilities you're not technically in debt you're doing yeah. fine well and i think that probably ties to this other sort of sacred cow that a lot of people talk about is just like never pay interest like interest is the worst thing ever right and you know because that's that's essentially the whole deal behind debt is you know why would you why would you pay interest when you don't need to right and so there's these different things that right kind of all stick together in some sort of weird that's the other thing it's the idea of like if by uh, taking out a loan on something and paying interest on it, you are paying more than the thing is worth if you had paid it all in cash up front. Right? So so in that way, it makes sense. You're like, oh, I'm paying more. Why would I pay more for something that I don't have to pay for? But then there's the flip side of that, which is like, well, by taking out a loan or, or having payments on something rather than putting this huge lump sum of money, you're actually freeing all that money up for you to use and yeah. invest in. 
and 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 work for you and so that that has caused me to kind of think differently when it comes to debt and so i've been playing around not dangerously mind you but i have been i'm still very comfortable with what's going on but i've just been having a little bit of fun with debt i should say which is weird to which is i feel like a weird statement to make but it's true well it's probably why this episode's perfect for talking about debt so yeah but yeah again killing sacred cows garrett gunderson super interesting book especially if you've got time to read it and you want to read it with an open mind and think differently about these different things that we have taken on as sacred cows of money and finance let's get into you have three common myths about debt yeah yeah because myths myths seem to be part of our theme with killing sacred cows right. and, and this yeah so the the first myth is essentially that all debt is bad avoid it at all cost mm -hmm. because why would you pay interest when you could pay for it outright mm -hmm. And this seems logical. Like, why would you pay interest on something if you could just buy it? Right. But it removes from the equation that that's the only thing going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is either you buy it or you don't. Right. And you buy it with interest or you buy it with cash. As opposed to the idea that that's not the only financial thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing that this brings up is that is the idea that we finance everything, whether we finance it self-finance and just pay cash mm -hmm. and lose out on the opportunity that our cash could have been earning elsewhere. Right. And then we also lose out on the idea that if we pay interest and then, you know, essentially mm -hmm. pay more for something. So it's this weird sort of deal where we don't, you know, most people then go, well, then it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, because most people are operating under the scenario that interest means it just costs more. Well, now you're kind of getting into the idea of, of being your own banker, which, which we've talked about privately. But, you know, the way that banks operate with money is a lot different than people are taught how to handle their personal finances. Yeah. And if everyone handled their money the way banks handle their money, you know, I th I th things would be a, a, a bit different. They would be totally different. <laughs> a lot but, of banks wouldn't exist. But the, the the big thing, you know, banks are very mindful about how they use their money. Very. And a lot of people are not. Yep. People just like, they get their money and they spend it. They get their money and they spend yep. it. They don't even think about it. Suddenly they don't have money and they blame their job for not paying them enough. They blame the government. Yep. And the, the, there, the, you know, there is validity to those complaints, but there's, you also have to have some ownership to how you spend your money. And so the idea of being your own banker forces you to be mindful about how you're using your money. And that includes taking on debt. Yeah. Because when you go, you need to look at, okay, this dollar, if it goes to them, what do I lose? Mm -hmm. Most people think about it and like, oh, good, I've got something because I spent the dollar. Right. But you have to do both. You have to go, anytime you spend a dollar, you have to go, what did that dollar lose? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that gets in the way of the whole debt situation. And then when you only believe debt is bad then saving some interest, like if you were able to get a car at 2%, but That's your dollar was in your high-yield savings at 4%, you're losing money taking the dollar out mm -hmm. of a 4% account to pay for something right. at 2% or 0%. So that's sort of the equation. And most people feel that just buying something means it's safe. It means it's good. Right. But they're not thinking about the opportunity cost. And that's why debt only being bad, in my mind, is, is a weird myth. Well, it has to be understood. Yeah. And it can be bad, but it's not all bad. It comes, I think, again, it's a mindset shift, right? So when you take on, when you buy something on debt, like a car, mm -hmm. like, for example, I, I recently bought a car from a, friendly, from, from a family friend. And so I bought it for X amount of money 
and I have to pay this gentleman back every month, but it's interest-free. So I have no incentive to pay the full amount. It's we, great. We have, yeah. an, we have an agreed upon monthly, I'll send you a check for this amount every month until it is paid off. And so in that case, this two, this, sure, $200 I pay every month, I'm happy because it actually is saving me money to a degree because I can use the rest of those thousands of dollars to do other things with. And so I'm like, oh, cool. All I have to do is pay this guy 200 bucks a month. This is great. Yeah. I love this debt. This is great. Whereas there's another mindset where I'm like, I have the car. Now I have to pay this guy 200 bucks every month. And now the 200 bucks, you know, sounds like a burden. It feels like, man, like, dang it. Like if only (laughs) I didn't have this 200, you know? And so I think it's, it's that mindset shift of knowing, okay, yes, I have to pay this $200 every month, but that frees up thousands of dollars every month that I can use for other things. Well, and this, this is where I think when you work with someone that thinks money, it can really help you a lot because you could have, let's say the car was 10 grand and you were paying 200, 200 a month for five years or whatever, sure. whatever the math breaks down to, then you, and you had 10 grand in your, in your pocket. Right. You could wipe that away at any point. Yeah. But if there's no interest over here on the payment and you're able to put that in an account making four, you know, four and a half, 4.6 or whatever it is now. Sure. Percent. Then when you actually look at where you will be at the end of paying it off, you can do this with mortgages, student loans, even credit cards, any of that stuff. That's one of the things like I personally like love to do for people and lay out and be like, Hey, here's where you're at in five years. Mm -hmm. Here's where you will be. You can either have car and no money or car and money. And so most people then are like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Right. But for you, you've started to figure out that this zero interest deal is yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and the 4% on the remainder is great. So you know you're coming out ahead in that situation because right. you've learned the opportunity cost on if you just liquidate that money and sent it to this, this person that you owe. Yeah. Opportunity cost, that's, that's a key phrase here because I feel like that's those who are in the I love debt it's all about opportunity cost. It is yeah. like the having money liquid that you can use so that when an investment opportunity that you feel like will safely earn you money, you're like, here, take it. Boom. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, and that's why like, I think the debt's amazing people, which is another myth that debt's just the best. Because <laughs> that's, I think that's myth number two of just like, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Other people's money. I don't have to use any of my stuff. It's great. The problem that people end up getting in is that they don't know how to play that game the way it's supposed to be played. Right. And so then if you don't know the debt game, it will kill you. Well, yeah. Which is, I think, why our buddy has been so successful because he knows that the debt game most people are playing is a bad one. Yeah. And so he can then come along and be like, you got to stop this game. Like this game is killing you. And he's right. Like it it, is. It feels, it's different between like checkers and chess. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, you know, the dead is bad. Those guys are playing checkers. The dead is good. Those guys are playing chess. Those guys are strategically thinking like 10 moves ahead of how they're going to use their money. Yeah, they're playing the interest rate game. They're playing their assets. They're playing their yeah. liabilities. They're trying to borrow money so they can acquire more and borrow against it more. And so they're just in a different place. You're right. That's not credit cards. <laughs> no. Like, I can't stress that enough. That's not credit cards. And I think some people are really good at using credit cards really, really well. But it's also not the same thing as borrowing against your assets. Right. Borrowing against nothing is different. So right. that's where I think that, you know, the, the, the videos that are like, Oh, I love debt. Get yourself some more of it. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's the only way to build wealth is a very specific thing. And I think it can be very 
very dangerous for a lot of people. Right, right. But what I put as the third? Debt is your best friend. Oh, what was the second one? There was something called good debt. Oh, yeah. Those are very similar. They they are. Well, the there's something that's good debt is this idea that some debt's okay to have. Mm. And that can be dangerous. And it can be good. Well, it can be a slippery slope. Yeah. Right? It's like it's like saying like in in Garrett Gunderson's book Killing Sacred Cows, he talks about the idea of buying things that don't necessarily produce for you. Yeah. But they, you know, it's like buying a couch, right? A really nice couch for your living room. That's not going to earn, that couch isn't going to earn you any money, but it's going to increase your, your life to a yeah. degree, you know? But you can use that excuse to buy a lot of things because <laughs> yeah. you're like, well, this is going to help my life. You know? Yeah. And I feel like debt is, you know, good debt could be a slippery slope like that. Yeah. I I believe that the idea that there's good debt and bad debt might not be the best way to think about it. Because then we can just invite it in without thinking. So we can go, oh, student loans, it's good debt. <laughs> it's like, is it? Yeah. Based off of what? So it might be. It might be terrible. You know, a mortgage is a good debt or bad debt. Either way. Yeah. You know, credit card, good debt, bad debt, depends. And that's where I think for a lot of people, they get this idea that, oh, this one's acceptable debt. Well, Without thinking and going through and yeah. understanding. Well, I think this comes with like any anything not just financially, but literally anything, is that it comes down to the person. You know, debt is just another thing that depending on the individual who uses it could be either good or bad. Yeah, Debt itself, I feel, isn't bad. It isn't good. Debt is a neutral object yeah. that you as a person can use that will either be beneficial or be detrimental to your life. Yeah, those and are kind of the only options. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> truly, truly. Mm -hmm. And it is really up to you and how you use it. Mm -hmm. And some of that is unfair because a, a lot of, at least in the U.S., mm -hmm. you're not really taught, you know, you're taught economics in high school for a semester. If that. If yeah. that. Yeah. But, but you're not really taught how to use money well or for your own personal financial gain. And so that idea of like how to use debt, it's not necessarily your fault. You don't know what to do. Yeah. You just haven't been taught. Yeah. And it's up to you to really be like, I'm going to learn on my own, but not a lot of us, you know, I'm weird where I did have that moment of like, I want to learn how to do this, but not a lot of people get to that point. Yeah. So if you're someone who's like, well, what the hell? It's not necessarily your fault because it wasn't presented to you and you never really needed to seek it out until like right now, you know? Yeah, and that's where like the people that use it well and know how the game works, they have people that understand it. Yeah. That they go to, it's like I've helped many people like take on a debt game and be like, hey, here's how you can use debt to really grow. Mm -hmm. And then I've got other people that are like, you never need to touch debt <laughs> ever in your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the way the way you're playing doesn't it doesn't work. It won't work out. Yeah. And so we need to get you to a spot where you you move on that spectrum from maybe the quote unquote bad side or the debt's bad to mm -hmm. like and get you out of the things that are there yeah. move you further in and, and then help you understand your financial situation so that you can then leverage the financial tools. And I'm always weird for saying this, but debt's a financial tool. It is. It is. a Obviously. I and, mean, I mean, there's a lot of people who use it like a tool. Yeah. And so the people that use it like a tool, they use it. They know how it works. They know the risks involved in using the tool. 
You know, it's like a table saw. You might cut off your fingers. <laughs> yeah. Know, but if that's you, the risk involved. Yeah. You know, my dad. Well, that's only if you're not yeah. paying it. That, that's yeah. the other thing. If you're not paying attention, then this you will. But if you are paying attention, you won't. So yeah, it's, it's, it's some, how responsibly you use it. Yeah. And for some, it's the fastest and most efficient way to cut boards. Yeah. The same way it can be the fastest and most efficient way to grow and build and things. But for a lot of people, when they play debt, they're, you know, their table saw and it's like, you know, their fingers are in the line and it's like, yeah, it's just spraying blood all over the yep. place. Yep. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, a, we love analogies. So <laughs> that might be the best one for the, for this episode, but uh, rounding, rounding it out. Yep. You know, penny for, I feel like we haven't done a penny for your thoughts in a couple know, episodes. They kinda, they're in there, but we then, don't really. Yeah. But but hearkening on our penny for your thoughts, what is your final thought for the average individual? I mean, average is such, such a subjective term, but for for someone listening right now who's thinking about using debt, how to use it, what are your final thoughts? The first thing is debt should always be used for assets. Things Plain. that will produce for you things that will produce yeah because if you use debt for life for further liabilities that's the cycle that drives you down mm -hmm. because if you bought if you use debt for clothes coffee food those are things that don't provide any yeah upward and i will say there's a difference because i I use my, I have a Capital One Venture card that I use all the time for miles, but, but, but every day I look at it and I pay it off every day. Boom, 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 boom. It's not like I accrue debt on the credit card. Yeah. It's just a way for me to earn miles on literally anything I can buy on it, including my like power bill. I like put on the credit card oh, yeah. and then paid off the next day. And so that's fine. I feel like what you're talking about is if you just let that sit there for months in, in your credit card statement. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like, I'm a big believer in using credit cards properly because they do things like that. They yeah. can afford your travel. You know, I have an Amazon card that I buy all of my Amazon card things with. Sure. I have, and I get 5% and I have an, an Apple card. I had to buy a new computer and it's like, ah, you'll give me 0% for a year to buy this computer. Cool. Oh yeah. That is valuable. But the intention of that is to, you know, essentially pay those things off so that there's not added expense that's unnecessary. Yeah. But for a lot of people, what they do is they are trying to figure out how to get into the debt for assets game. And that, I think, is a very hard game to actually enter. And so my caution is, like, don't use your credit card for, don't go into credit card debt for liabilities. Mm -hmm. That's just a compounding bad cycle. Don't use debt recklessly because it has a way of then biting you in the butt. <laughs> right. If you're going to try and look at debt Use it in the positive sense in that it is other people's money at lower interest than the money that you have earning higher interest. It's also looking at how do I use this money to acquire more assets? Mm -hmm. That is the debt positive game as opposed to the debt negative game, yeah. which is, you know, buying things that I can't afford that I can't pay off. Yeah. That will then accrue high interest. Okay. So... Well, there you have it. If any of you out there have further questions about debt, feel free to leave us a review where you can ask us questions on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yep. And or yeah. hit us up on our Instagram. Or hit us up on our Instagram at what's with money because of what's up with money was taken. Yep. Therefore, we are what's with money. Hit us up, send us a message either about debt or any financial question, we love questions. Yes. So let us know. And remember, debt is that incredible spectrum, not a single reality. So I think yeah. that, that 
that always kills me and I that's where I feel like everyone gets messed up it's thinking it's the exact same thing that yeah. everyone's talking about the exact same thing it's a rainbow time. of colors it is it <laughs> is thanks for listening to what's up with money we'll continue our conversation in the next episode but until then please subscribe to rate and review the show Giving a rating or review helps other people find the show. So if you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, please give us a rating, share us on social media, or both. Reviews are also where you can leave us questions. So if you have any financial questions for us, please leave them in the review. We may answer it on the show. We love questions. We'll be back next week to continue our conversation and hopefully get a little bit closer to answering the age-old question, What's What's up up with money? money? And it's like it's like when I sent you that picture the other day of I was shopping in in the book section and I saw I saw a rich dad and oh yeah and total money makeover yeah, side by side yeah oh my it gosh. is so yes it's polar opposite just yep. hanging out I love it yep it was it was magic it yeah. was like sparks flying <laughs> they're practically holding hands I know I know <laughs> that would be something I would pay for. So <laughs> to see those two in a conversation, I would get, I would buy popcorn in front row seats. Yeah. To that. Yeah. That would be, that would be fantastic. That'd be amazing. All right. Well, anyway. again, have fun with debt. But don't have too much fun. <laughs> be smart. Be mindful. 18 years old. This is my first time paying taxes. I really don't know what I'm doing. Can you tell me how much I owe and I'll just pay it? No, we can't do that. You have to figure out that amount for yourself. Oh, okay. Well, if I'm just a little bit off in the amount I owe, it'll be okay because it's my first time, right? Oh, no. We already know how much you owe exactly. I mean, down to the penny, but you still have to figure that out for yourself. Well, what if I get that amount wrong? You go to federal prison. (laughs) What? My gosh, this is, this is one of my favorites. It's so good because, like, why doesn't the IRS just send us a bill, okay? It's as if, like, it's like your power company was like, you need to keep track of how many watts you use. We know how many watts you use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need to tell us how many watts you use and send us that amount of money. And if you're one watt wrong, we could put you in prison. I know. And you're like, wait, what? Why? Like, just send us a bill. Why doesn't the IRS just send us a bill at at, at the end of the fiscal year just to be like, this is how much you owe us for how much blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, here you go. You know, it makes way more sense than us having to try and calculate ourselves, hiring a CPA and, and like trying to make sure we don't because the IRS, for me personally, of everything in the government, more than the FBI, more than the CIA, the IRS scares me the most. I know. I always, I love going to the IRS.gov because you can learn so much, but I'm afraid that my traffic is going to get me audited. <laughs> no, it's this yeah. video, this video, like, it's this kid. And he's like, I'm 18, I'm filing my taxes. What do I owe you, IRS? And it's like, yeah. that's like how it seems. And then they're like, oh, we know what you owe. It's like, well, can you just tell me? Can't you just tell us? No. Why not? Just tell, if you already know how much we owe you, yeah. then just tell us. Yeah, it's, and then, well, what if I get it wrong? <laughs> yeah. Is you it, go to prison. Yeah. What? Like, what? What? So, and it's, Oh man, it's just, it's kind of one of that weird, that weird mix in our country between the idea that like we're private and individuals and corporate in another sense. And Mm -hmm. like, it's like we could just tell them, but they don't know all the deductions and they don't know all the this and the that and what we're doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a lot of people are concerned because they're moving much more towards like things like digital currency and understanding like how blockchain can track everything you're doing and then for some people it's like man that's terrifying and other people are like finally thanks just tell me what i owe like (laughs) whatever this is just is nonsense like and then like like we got one bill that was like oh you your payroll taxes for your business it was like 89 cents off no 
So there's a $500 penalty and then no. interest. No. You owed $500 because you were 89 cents off? Yeah, to the state of California. That's not even federal. So the thing is you call and then you have to do all this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, but you still owe the interest. I'm like, I owe you like $9 of interest because you let me know like six months later. So it's wow. such a weird. It's so weird. Yeah, and our tax system and the fact that it changes all the time and like you want to talk about something that doesn't make sense. Like, you know. Yeah. Truly. It's just bizarre. And then it's like, oh well, what if I'm wrong? Federal prison. Federal prison. <laughs> oh, it's like It's so scary. Be- because you're like money is such an enigma to so many people. You know, you use TurboTax and you hope you're doing it right. Yeah. You know? Have you so like everyone knows that feeling of like when a police car yes. flashes their lights and you're like oh and your heart sinks and you're like oh yeah. crap oh crap oh crap like if you open your mailbox and you see a letter and in the little clear part of the envelope it's, it says IRS you're like oh, it's no. like oh how do I leave the country <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's just how our tax system man it's just so bizarre so bizarre so bizarre but Anyway, this video always makes me laugh. It just it just doesn't make sense at all.